Cross the Streams Podcast. Cross the Streams Podcast. Kip and Kane. Season 4 is here. New content in all our favorite segments like Listen Up, Hometown Heroes, Useless Full Information, Calling Men In, and many more. The Ion Brothers are back, everybody. Cross the Streams podcast. Uh, great episode today. Bringing back a past guest of ours who's been able to join us a couple times. Excited uh, to reintroduce him. We're going to do a useless full information segment. Uh, my co-host on this, our contributor, is usually Jack Martino, but I, I, he totally gave me the blessing to let Coach Garrett Kelly come back on, and uh, I appreciate Coach giving us time. Sir, how is the world looking to you today? I know we had we got to talk before we started taping, but how's the world from your lens today? Oh man, it, it, it is uh, as good as it can be. I mean, I'm, I'm beyond blessed and fortunate. I got family and friends and loved ones, and a big circle of people around me that are all looking after each other and all healthy and safe. So, I mean, I, I'm beyond lucky. So, for me, I mean, I'm just trying to uh, just plug along each day. And some days are uh, kind of like we talked about. You're on the phone all day long, yep. you're looking at a screen all day long, and. Uh, can be a little draining, but other days, you know, get to get outside, get some fresh air, get a little, uh, get a little ex- exercise, or you know, luckily we got some playoff basketball on these yes. last forty-five, fifty days, which has been great. You know, I've enjoyed that thoroughly, and um, yeah, I mean, I can't complain at all. I've, I've, I've uh, embraced this thing with open arms, and I've just been thankful for for every day that you get and uh, I'm a little more concerned with you guys out there I texted you and right. uh, Coach Chad Murray to just check in and see because it's like you know the pandemic you can kind of hide from but when you can't breathe right. uh, that becomes a little little I think you so described it perfectly you. in your text back to me when I sent you the video of the the, with the red crimson skies. <laughs> Welcome to Mars. That was perfect that you described because that's how it was here for about I, I a week and a half. I believe that. Yeah. I could not believe those pictures. I knew nothing about AQI until, obviously, the, the wildfires that we experienced out here. And then suddenly I know every website there is to give you the readings that you need yeah. and, you know and for folks that are maybe just now tuning in out here in Oregon you know you usually sports are in trouble outdoors 150 to 200 air quality index yeah. and we were averaging 587 to 600 so it was oh, uh and obviously indoor sports right we got a little more break but even then our scrubbers here were clogged and there was there was just no activity for five six days and I don't blame the powers that be for pulling the plug because even getting kids to walk to the gym would have been toxic it would have been absolutely yeah. been toxic, man. Um, Coach, you mentioned something. I, this wasn't on our what I sent you, but it, it's interesting, right? Like you mentioned the phone and the screens. I don't know why, but tell me if you have a similar experience and maybe you have explanations. I feel exhausted after Zooms, and I don't think I'm talking anymore than I do on a phone call. Is it just the, the, the art of trying to keep my appearance up? But I feel super tired after Zooms. Yeah, I agree, and, and I think, uh, I mean, I, I base most of what I do, I just like, I enjoy being around people, especially people in basketball, so um, when you're not allowed to physically be in the room or, you know, uh, just like sweat or, you yeah. know, high five or just like interact, physically interact, um, I, I, I mean, I'm with you, man, I just 
today was one of those days where it was like, I cannot wait to hang this phone up and stop. And, yeah. you know, I was thrilled to get on with you because this is actually fun and refreshing. Right. Um, but some of the stuff is just like, you're sitting on there with 12 people and, you know, some days everybody wants to put their two cents in and other days, uh, you know, you feel like you're the one that needs to put your two yeah. cents in. So, um, yeah. but, you know, it's just, it, it's getting old. Um, but again, it's, it's, we're doing it because it's safer yeah. than uh, getting out and endangering anybody. But right. um, the, uh, tell yeah, us, it's, just, it's a it's a great part segue yeah. into catch us up um, on how you know wh- where are you at professionally now in this space personally where are you at you know just talk about occupying both those all the hats you wear and, and, and what you're doing. Yeah, I like that you sent me a tentative plan because up until like nowadays you have to wait until like five seconds before the call <laughs> takes place because you're just waiting for some crazy shit to happen yep um so yeah no i mean personally i like i, I talked about i'm feeling good uh, i'm trying to keep a schedule every day where i you know get some exercise and you know drink some water and eat some decent food and you know do some non-basketball related reading or conversation or call somebody that has nothing to do with you know um, me or my profession, mm-hmm. but at the same time, also you know, dedicating some time to um, I'm watching these playoff games. I usually wait and watch them in the morning early, and okay. just try to watch it, watch it with the sound off, and learn um, and take some notes. And uh, wait, you mean you're not taking anything from C Web's commentary, coach? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get a little here and there. I mean, but it's just in general, you know, watching tape for me. I just like to have it oh, off it. and just and just watch the stuff and see it happen. Um, uh, professionally, we just finished up our um, assistant coaches program. We had a great, great year this year, all things considered. Uh, typically, we're you know traveling um, a few times a month to go to the NBA's off-season evaluation events, um, whether it be in Portsmouth, Virginia, or Chicago for the uh, draft eligible camp, or the G League elite camp, or the draft combine. All those stuff obviously has been canceled. Um, but the group of candidates this year, the coaching candidates that are retired WNBA and NBA players that mm. are uh, trying to transition into coaching, uh, have just been great. They responded, you know, really impressively, um, especially going through, um, you know, the end of March, April, May, it was like, uh, kind of the dog days of this thing where everybody's really locked down. And, um, the, the the program was just a, a godsend, really, because it, it gave us something to do yeah. literally all day. It was, it was basketball related. You're building relationships with people, even though it's over the phone or on the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was meaningful work that we had to do, and it was like it would have been easy to just say, "Hey, all these events are canceled, and uh, right. we're just gonna, you know, we don't even know what's gonna happen with next year, so we're just gonna, you know, tie a bow on this thing and put it to bed." Um, but we just jumped into it. That's you know, my boss. Uh, is just not wired that way and he's like alright we're just going to double down on this thing and get even more busy and, and invest even more in these candidates uh, especially the ones that want to learn and it was just cool to see and cool to be a part of so yeah. I was thankful for that the you know it, 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 that t- answers a little bit about you know I was going to talk about you know your ability and the focusing during these seven months I know I've struggled in a couple of ways, not for any lost love for the game, but trying to identify within myself and then also where our players are at, like where should it land 
in their priority list, you know, especially when yeah. the beginning of it, like you mentioned, those early times when you're really, you had no idea that the, you know, the, the spread rate, the how, how quickly somebody could succumb to this. Guys had grandparents, parents with it. So like, what am I sending during this time that's fair to ask this person to do? Um, and then as it's evolved, it's also like, man, we're having great conversations as a team about the, you know, the, the, the quest for social justice and the current events in the world. Am I going to blow up that momentum when I bring up, hey, by the way, here's what we're thinking about with our new stuff we want to do on Transo. And so for me, it's, it's, it's been right. It's been really hard to find the right. I haven't found the flow states I usually do. It's been harder to find, you know, where you can just get lost, like you mentioned, in three hours of film prep because you can see it going from the film. You can see it in your practice plan. You can see it, how it's going to play out on the game, and you're just in that mode. I've had a harder time finding it. I've lately a little bit better, but I've had a harder time. How's that been for you and coaching coaches and for your own development? Yeah, I mean, with the coaches, it was it's, it's so much about them, and we're not putting anybody at risk by doing what we do. Yeah, so yeah. It was like, all right, you know, as far as the staff goes for the assistant coaches program, like it, it's up to us now to make this um, this program valuable mm-hmm. for the candidates. You know, it's not like they can, you know, because some of these candidates that we have are guys that had great careers, are you know unbelievably elite basketball minds and the fact that they're putting themselves out there to get into coaching um they're gonna get a job they Mm -hmm. just have to meet the right person Mm -hmm. so them walking into the gym in chicago they're gonna bump into an old coach or an old general manager or an old friend and they'll get it done and uh but without those events um it's just like they can't they can't see those people. They can't put themselves out there like they need to. So they actually just have to sit there and do the work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so either we do, you know, as a staff, either we do a great job preparing them and giving them homework assignments and mentoring them through this process, or we don't, and they don't get anything out of it. So, um, kind of that was you know, a fun challenge for yeah. us as a staff to just say, okay, we don't have these events, but let's just do everything we can for them, uh, for the candidates. Um, but then, you know, we transition and finish up. We finished on September 17th uh, with our last call and kind of our, you know, farewell. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when yeah. the NBA is going to restart. We don't know when the G League is going to restart, if at all. Um, so that part's a little bit tricky. Right. Um, but then, you know, I transition at the end of September we would typically be going into recruiting new assistant coaches program candidates and kind of getting started for the next season, but that's all paused. Um, so I'm going to be going back down to Georgia to work uh, as an assistant coach in player development mm-hmm. um, for the Raven Gap Nakuchi School, the private boarding school I coached at last mm-hmm. year. Um, ended up re- recruiting a few young players to come there. Um, so I've just been keeping in touch with them. It's probably some stuff similar to what yeah. you're going through where it's like, you know, these are high school kids, so they're like, oh, i got to go play AAU this summer. And it's like, I, I don't think you should, yeah. to be honest. And I'm not going to tell you yeah. what to do. Right. Um, but, like, parents, promoters, you know, event um, planners and, you know, guys that host these tournaments, um, I, I don't think it's very smart to do. Um, so it's just it's just a dangerous thing. So mm. that, that, yeah, I'm with, that, you know, like... 
Where are you at, Coach? Because you're so good at that player development piece, and I've seen you work and putting together actual plans to get kids better. And then even for the team side, I'm really struggling because the way the limitations that are placed on us, which I totally agree with, right? Like I understand COVID. I'm not a COVID denier. I understand the limitations they're giving us as coaches, like this amount of kids, no contact competition. But then it, it puts me in creating plans that I don't believe in, in terms of this isn't how I would coach, right? Like I would want there to be competition, like everything's about competition. So this on air stuff that we have to roll out is it's like, it's like pulling my own teeth. Like I write this plan and I know they'll be tired, which is great. And they'll be happy that they're out there, but I don't envision it getting us better. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I've been yeah. really wrestling yeah. with that. Like I can't coach the way I'd like to, but I guess it's better than not coaching at all. Right. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I mean, it, it, it's unfair for everybody involved, but especially the kids. Like, they should be able to go play AAU. They should be able to go work out and play pickup with their friends and do all these things that normal kids get to do this time of year. Um, but it's just not safe, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, you know, all you can really do is, you know, if, for, if I'm a player, I can get in shape. I know I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can get mm-hmm. quicker. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, can jump, I can work on my, you know, foot speed or my core strength or I can put on some muscle or I can lose some weight or whatever it is physically, you don't need anybody for that. You don't even need a ball for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like as far as working on your body and that's one of the most important things I think high school aged and even young college players can do like get in phenomenal shape. Yep. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean hurting yourself or anything, but you can get in great shape. Yep. Um, so that you can do. Um, I mean, I think as a coach right now, um, something I've tried to do is just, you know, text and call these guys on our, on these young players that we work with this, to just talk to them about like thinking about the game. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you watch this last, did you watch this game last night? Or here's a quick clip from the first play of the third quarter. What did you see Jamal Murray do here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this bubble basketball has been phenomenal. These yeah. guys are just off the charts how good they are. Um, but you see him thinking the game and then making mistakes too because yeah. the defenses are so good and the coaches are so smart and the players are so smart that mistakes are happening. And you can just show, hey, here's a 15-second clip. You know, what did they do? What would you have done differently here? What do you think? You know, just trying to challenge the players to think yeah. the game and, and visualize it a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm all about the one-on-one or two-on-two or challenging mm-hmm. them or, you know, getting guys to compete. Um, and without that, it, it makes it really tough. And uh, but it's just the way it is. And yeah. everybody's for the most part, is dealing with the same thing. So right, um, you just you just do the best you can. And, and like I said, the player can get in great shape. He can if he can't shoot, he can go work on his jump shot. If he can't dribble, he can go work on his dribbling. If he's slow, he can go work on getting quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are the things I think you can work on. And that's what the off season really should be, anyway. Is is identify your weaknesses and then go attack them every day. I love the point uh, you made about getting in shape because that's one of the, just like you mentioned, I probably stole it from you in one of the, the groups we're on together and clinics we shared with each other. Just watching, like even a rotation in the bubble right now, you know, in the middle of the third quarter, watching what one human has to do defensively in the NBA right now, the different movement chains they got to put together and have the cardio to be able to do it over and over. 
is worth sharing. Like, can you do this? I'm not even going to grade. Can you do it effectively? Do you have the physical capacity to stunt, race out, run off, get away all the way back and take a charge? Do you have the physical capacity to even attempt that before we worry about did you do it well? Um, so I, yeah. I love yeah. that part. And I would add to that is that can you do it with your legs and with your lungs? Like, can you yes. run yeah. while your legs get sore? Can you breathe? while you're working that hard and then lastly can you talk while you're doing that yeah. which is like and then and then then when you add on top of that can you think yeah. and and that's what these guys do so well and there was a great story of uh kevin garnett like what is his off-season conditioning workout he's like well i put my headphones on and i run up and down i think he stays in malibu uh california during the summer months he's like i sprint up and down the beach with my shoes off and it builds my you know ankle and foot strength and lower leg strength and I build up my leg strength and my lungs and then I listen to headphones and I sing. Uh, it's like I sing Beyonce albums at the top of my lungs. And so these like, you know, families or old ladies are walking down the beach <laughs> watching this, you know, massive human being sprinting up and down the beach screaming at the top of his lungs, Beyonce music. Um, and so I was like, you know, he's like, you know, why I do that is that I got invited to, uh, you know, the Jay-Z Beyonce on the run tour, you know, like the, uh, mic check. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's like, Beyonce is going through her mic check and she is going so hard, like full speed, dancing the whole thing, singing the whole thing. And he's like, Hey, do you, you know, just from a professional standpoint, like, how do you, do all these movements and like control your breathing and your voice. And she's like, well, this is how I work out. This is my workout to prepare for the show. That's and amazing. KG's like, wow, that, that's what I need. Like, right? If I'm that quarterback of the defense, I got to sprint back on D. I got to stop the ball. I got to talk about the ball screen that's coming and what coverage do I want them in. I got to call to my help side where are they at. And it's just, you know, to me, it's legs and lungs and using your voice and being able to think, you know, when you're winded and, yeah. uh, that's amazing. That's, that's, I think I've seen the KG, when you started telling the story, like the part about him running the beach, I think a lot of folks would be like, oh, yeah, 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 and I could copy that. But then when you added that detail of, yeah, don't forget, while you're running, you have to tell other human beings where to be and that you're going yeah. where you're going. Oh, I love I loved that. Let's take our first break, and we'll dive into even more of the NBA in the bubble. We'll be right back with Coach Garrett Kelly. Cross the Stream Podcast and its creators, Kip and Kane stand for anti-racism and for being disruptive to bigotry in all its forms. Before, now, and forever, we implore our listeners to listen to learn, learn to care, and care enough to act. Cross the streams, we're back. Coach, let's let's you we are, I loved your KG story before the break, so let's just let's shift fully into NBA bubble. Has it met exceeded fallen short of your expectations i know for me far exceeded i was i'm a pessimist right maybe that's see my anxiety keeps me in the worry of what could go wrong i didn't anticipate they could finish this thing off but from the first tip seeing just the arena and how they got the freaking logos on tv they got the Michelob ultra fans like it's been so well executed in my opinion i'm off the charts pleased with the bubble where where do you land yeah I'm the same. I mean, I had no doubt that they could handle it. I've, I've been fortunate to be able to go to a lot of these NBA events, and we're there a day or two early. And the uh, event basketball operations staff members are just like, I mean, it, it's 
I'm not comparing it to people that fight for our country, but mm-hmm. they're like the military in like their logistics and coordination and communication and efficiency. They're just like, you know, they're just the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And they are so on top of it. They are so prepared. Um, this was a unique circumstance as they've ever experienced, but it didn't surprise me at all that they knocked it out of the park. Now, the players coming in, coaches coming in, trainers coming in, you know, team personnel, every single person, you know, following the rules and doing the right thing and staying safe. That was, I was a little bit surprised that it all felt, you know, worked so well. But mm-hmm. it, from a logistics and operations standpoint, I'm not surprised. I mean, these, I spent some time around these guys. You know, we'll get like a document, you know, a couple of days before the event, and it is so unbelievably well planned. It's just like, as somebody that used to be a director of operations and had to do a lot of these logistics and planning, I'm just like, wow. You know, I, I knew I wasn't that great at my job, but now seeing how you guys perform these yeah. tasks, I really, really am very clear about me not being able to do that stuff anymore. They've even uh, synced up, like they're good at, and I, I compare it to watching my Dodgers that are setting me up to lose again horrifically. I, I just know it. I'm a pessimist. Or the NFL, but like syncing up the crowd noise, it took them about half a game to figure out the correct crowd noise. And they got it from the arenas themselves. It's like that level of detail, just to speak to what you said, that's crazy good to me. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah. and and it also goes to leadership at the very top. So how does it come from Adam Mm -hmm. Silver? And it comes extremely well thought out. He's going to take advice from all different types of people, all different walks of life. Uh, I was fortunate to be, our our program was in on a couple of these calls, several of them with Adam, where he's just talking about, hey, I'm just letting everybody know this is where we're at. And just like unbelievably um, so like humble and Mm -hmm. so much humility for somebody with so much power in such a large position that he's just like, I don't know what to do. I'm willing to take ideas from anybody, from doctors, from scientists, from mathematicians, from army people, from whoever. And, um, and it's just, you can see it, you know, then a great plan comes out of it. It's well executed and it's well done. And then you see, uh, the other major sports leagues, baseball, football, MLS, um, they're having some hiccups. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't see them come with this plan that was like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And I realize it's not ideal, but it's going to work because we're all here and nothing bad can happen while we're here. So um, when you start traveling and getting on planes and going to different stadiums and trying to make it seem somewhat normal, yeah, you know, it's, it's an airborne, you know, yeah. you know, uh, thing that you just you're just losing control. So I'm not surprised. I've mean, been really impressed with it. Um, I've loved watching the games. I mean, it's just been phenomenal basketball. Yeah, go uh, there because the first three rounds. Yes, talk talk to me. What I, I love how you and your your profession requires it, but you can tell from you know just knowing you that it's your passion trends. Because I mean, the, we can talk talk about overall quality play through the roof, but talk to me trends. People maybe we're not see like on the court. What have you noticed about the bubble? Did teams? I'm not saying they change their identities, but are there trends in the league that have taken place during? you know, the play-in rounds and then these first three rounds that you've noticed uh, watching all the film that you do? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's trends. I mean, there's been some, but it's mostly just it's a copycat league, mm. and when you see guys have a ton of success, a certain type of player, you you know, 
they, they set the standards. Yeah. So, you know, Jordan set a standard that Kobe, you know, followed. Um, there's never going to be anybody like Shaq, I don't think, but yeah. like, you know, high powered wings that can play both sides of the ball that can make contested jump shots. And that becomes something that everybody is trying to, to get, you know, somebody similar to. Now, mm-hmm. you see a Paul George, Kawhi, you see these guys that do this stuff that you can play perfect defense and they still get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you see somebody like Steph Curry, um, kind of break down these walls and Dame Lillard break down these walls. But it's like, I'm going to shoot from 35 feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to shoot 20 of them. I yeah. don't care. I'll shoot 15 threes. Yeah, I nine don't are probably care. Going I in. work on it every day. Yeah. yeah, and I can make them. And my whole team believes I can make them. And my coach, more importantly, believes that I can make them. Um, and so then you see, I think, just offshoot to that, you see Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray just playing games where I'm watching it. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Um, and my, my dad's 70, and he calls me like, are you kidding me? Like, these guys don't miss. No. Right. Um, and I think that, that goes to the lack of travel. That goes to, uh, you know, being in a pattern where they're playing every other day and, you know, uh, facing similar coverages and, mm-hmm. and, and just understand that, hey, this is what I'm going to get, and I'm going in here to knock it down. And, um, is there anything but, in yeah, your I, opinion? That's what I noticed the most. Is there anything in your opinion to, because there's only two arenas they've used, right? So is there familiar? Yep. Is it like a home floor for everyone? Is some of that playing in, or the lack of a true backdrop? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? I think, yeah, the small arena, the no backdrop, the black dark arena with no crowd, um, and the fact that they're either getting in a bus or walking to the game. Yeah. I mean, it changes that a lot. Um, but as far as the style of play trend, I, I definitely see. Uh, you know, everybody wants to play in space and five out. That's kind of the new thing. Mm-hmm. But you see Houston kind of stall out and fade the last few years mm-hmm. with their more stagnant, five out stagnant. Um, but I think what you see now, that a trend that I've seen with Miami, with Denver, um, with the uh, Lakers when they played with Anthony Davis at the five, but you see the center at the top of the key and he's able to dribble and pass and shoot. Yeah, and so when he's at the top of the key, now there's nobody under the rim. And I mean, <laughs> me growing up, high school basketball, college basketball, into my coaching career, it's you're the big, you got a rim run. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, run right under the rim. And while you know, a lot of the times that is good basketball, it does make sense. That is a play that you should do. Um, but just blindly doing it, I think what you're doing is taking the other team's biggest defender yep. and putting him near the rim too. So. Uh, if you want space and if you want driving lanes to the rim, you can't have the other team's biggest defender down there. So what can you do with them? Um, it obviously, obviously goes to your personnel, but yeah. you see the Joker. You know the Joker with Denver. He's dribbling the ball at the court as the point guard. Yep. And then there's a wing in each corner, and then a wing in each slot or guard in each slot, and they're doing backdoor cuts and stagger screens and triple handoffs and ball screens in the you know. Yeah. staggers and you know all kinds of action and you have to guard it and if you slip up for a second they're going to cut back door and joker's going to hit you or uh you know bam out of value for miami has just been off the chain i mean he's been unbelievable making plays passing the ball dribbling it up the court um and then being just dominant on defense so is he one of those uh, yeah, that, that you might have known biggest... you might have known it because of you know where your space that you occupy i he's an eye-opener for me like i knew he was this athlete right I knew he yeah. was he was a physical specimen. I didn't know he was the player he is. Has that been a no, gradual no. improvement? He wasn't this guy at I Kentucky. Think, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, that's been a trend with Kentucky a little bit is like, 
Coach K is saying, hey, I need you guys to go win me a national championship. So yeah. as much as I'd like to see you experimenting out there. Yeah. Like, You're going to get in the system and do this. Mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna get you, I'll get you paid. Don't worry about that if I haven't already. But I just want you guys to help me you know, win this game here tonight versus Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of been the trend. The same thing with Hero. Like, hey, we didn't know he could handle the ball and do all this stuff. We thought he was just a spot-up shooter. And he's like, no, I could do this stuff all along. Nobody, they just, you know, we had a system in Kentucky where I wasn't really allowed to do yeah. um, And that's understandable. They're getting five five-star blue-chip players, and they are all used to scoring 30 in high school, and they all got to now score 10. Yeah, and maybe that makes those guys uh, even more appealing because they have had to learn how to sacrifice ego a little bit already, you know, unlike yeah, some so. other places. I think it definitely helps. Definitely helps. Um, but as far as Bam, I mean, that, that is – Taking the athlete, you know, the, the unbelievable physical specimen. Um, you know, th- there's some great articles that have been written um, about him and his uh, journey through life, and it's just unbelievable story of just, you know, determination and then, uh, you know, coming from a really tough circumstance. Um, but then you get to the Miami Heat, and that's, you know, if not the most stable, the second most stable organization mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in the NBA, in the world. And they are going to get you in shape. They're going to bring you along slowly and, you know, develop your skills. And I think it's just a testament to his talent level, which, uh, like you said, you didn't quite see the talent skill-wise. You saw the talent physically, but you didn't see the talent skill-wise in Kentucky. But after a couple of years, you know, you, you know what it's like. You get a guy that comes in and you say, hey, I think this freshman is going to be great for us. He's got, he's got some length. He's going to rebound and block shots. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, wow, he can dribble a yeah. little bit. Or wow, he can make a, he can make yeah. a shot. Yeah, should we let him just like, oh, get wow. it and go? We should just let him get yeah. it and go. Why is he outletting? He makes better decisions. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Fan's been phenomenal passing the ball. I mean, he dribbles it so well. He gets to the rim and finishes with his left hand. He makes passes with his left hand. and Just the skill stuff that you see him do. And you couple that with being an unbelievable defender. Not just a guy that can jump high and block a shot, but he's disciplined. He's smart. I mean, he's making plays on, you know, a foot off the ground against Kemba Walker, like in a stand, yeah. crouching tiger, hit yeah. dragon style. And then, and then he's springing up to 13 feet and tipping rebounds or blocking shots or just putting his hands up and making you miss. Uh, he's just, he's a beast, man. He is a real, really impressive player. You mentioned earlier really the five on, you know, the five out spots. Tell, tell me your thoughts on this. Cause I know how much film you digest. Um, it, it appears there's a, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of these possessions, it appears everyone ends in some version of that five out, right? Is it as simple as the Miamis, the Torontos, the Bostons of the world's actions before they settle versus Houston and even the Lakers? Well, the Lakers apparently love stagger away handoff before they start every critical possession. But is it that yeah. simple? Like Toronto and Miami, I'm going to end up in the slot, but I'm not just going to walk there. Like, I might flare slip before I get there. Is that oversimplification? But that, that's kind of what I've noticed. And I'm not arguing efficient, like, who's better or what, besides the fact that one of those is in the finals from both kind of schools of thought. But I feel like that's a yeah. difference. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, Milwaukee, to me, is the Eastern Conference version offensively of Houston. Oh, sit, yeah, get in the uh, spots and be ready. Yeah, a lot of their possessions are Giannis has the ball, from 35 feet, he's dribbling at his defender, and there's four guys around. Now, they do a better job of having some actions and movement, mm-hmm. but I saw a lot of possessions in the playoffs where it was five defenders, 
you know, mm-hmm. boxes and elbows, so that, you know, the yeah. two defenders on the wing have a foot on the elbow, the two defenders from the, that are guarding the corner guys have a foot on the block, and the guys on the ball guard Giannis, and they're all looking at Giannis. Like, you have to get, whatever side you go, right or left, you have to get through three of us. The yeah. guy on the ball and the two health defenders. And uh, it's just really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's exhausting. Yes. And then... Uh, and that's what LeBron's teams have looked like in the past, right? too. I to feel like the Lakers, I get uh, more, and I'm a LeBron guy, huge, yeah. love the Lakers, but I feel like I've texted more people. If they keep, then I feel like LeBron likes it. He likes pushing to an overload even to where there's only the single corner on his right. And, I, you know, obviously yep. you trust LeBron James. He's going to make a right decision, but, God, that's difficult, right? Yeah. And against Miami, it's yeah. going to be even harder. Yeah, and I think – what happens then when you're playing like Milwaukee, Houston, and at times the Laker teams with LeBron or his Cleveland teams is like, okay, if I'm not LeBron and I'm not his team, my job is literally to stand over here and wait until that ball gets rocketed at me 90 miles an hour and I have to catch and make this three. <laughs> yes. And that's the only thing, I, that's the only way I can be helpful for him is if I knock this shot down. Yeah. And then I have to get back and play excellent defense. And, uh, I mean, that. It's just taxing. I mean, you can yeah. imagine, like, if, if my only gauge for success is if I shoot 45% from three on catch-and-shoot shots, right. it's like, you know, I feel like I can do a little bit more. Yeah. I want to mix it up. But I'm, I think the teams, even playing five out, that are the best at it are the Miamis, um, our Golden State in the past, uh, our Toronto, where, yeah, it's five out, but, you know, maybe the ball's entered to the elbow first. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's entered to the post, you know, to the block in a post-up scenario, and then there's uh, an overload on one side where there's three guys doing some kind of an action, um, screen the screener or stagger or back screen, down screen, or a flip and then a pop and yeah. then a, right into a handoff or just multiple actions. But when it's a guy at the top of the key with the ball, a guy in each slot to his right and left, and then a guy in each corner to his right and left, it's just it sets up for the defense to be in a shell protecting the paint yeah. and it, it makes it hard yeah. I think to score you know, you know in a regular season when it's just Giannis coming to town on Tuesday and he's just going <laughs> to come in there and kick your ass yeah, yeah so be it but when, when you're going to see him Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday uh, and you can prepare for it then I think it, it changes things a little bit and uh, that's what you saw with with Milwaukee, uh, you know, they had yeah. an injury, of course, with their best player, but uh, I thought you, I think you saw in the first game and a half that Miami was not messing around. Right. Do you, you know, have, and I know you've been at all three levels as a coach, you've, you've played, I mean, I, I really think a, a decide, not deciding is the wrong word, a difference that I, because I love watching the league, I think it's hard to translate some of what they do, especially in the ball screen aspect to college. Because in college, yeah. all those ball screens or handoffs are illegal. Not that I, and yeah. I don't think they should be, but like they're not called the way, the NBA doesn't call them the way they get called at our league. Because you watch dudes, like Dwight Howard is going to blow you up as the ball screener, right? Like you, the Joker is going to hit the shit out of you. And occasionally, you know, they'll get the, the illegal screen call. So I, I, I don't know what my point is other than I'm jealous that they're allowed to yeah. be the screeners. We all preach it at college level, and I'm sure you guys, prep schools, high schools, you're preaching, Be p- please commit to screening. And the kid's looking at you like, so I can get three more illegals called tonight because I was too wide. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. No, I agree with you totally. Um, and you see a lot of these guys, they come up to set a screen and they put two hands on the defender. Yes, too. yes. It's, it's almost like a, a physical push. 
Um, but I think what you can take away, um, I totally agree with what you're saying. It, it, you're 100% on point. These guys are so skilled, and they're allowed the illegal screen, and the court's way bigger, um, and there's a, a defensive three-second call that happens. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, there's going to be much, much more space. But what I think you can take away is how quickly these guys go from one action oh, to the great other. great point. Great and point. one action to the next. And it's like, and that comes from a ton of reps, um, you know, obviously high-level players that have been highly coached from high school to college to pro, and, you know, just have seen a million more repetitions of these defensive schemes or coverages. But you see them go from, okay, high ball screen, they take it away, I'm going to immediately swing it, cut through, and post up, or because it's going to be open. Mm-hmm. Or immediately go into a dribble handoff with this guy who is able to, you know, immediately see that, hey, this is going to be better if I go this way. And I think you see a lot of college kids and a lot of high school kids, you give them a play, that's all they can think about. Yeah. Or an action, that's all they can think about. That one action takes place, the defense does something, and then they just kind of take an extra beat or an extra two, three seconds to think about what am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. Um, And and then to be fair, those college defenses are allowed to be more physical. Yep. Um, They're standing in the key. They're standing in the paint. Yep. They're packing the paint where you can't do what, speaking of defense, one more question before the, the next, the next commercial break, and then we'll come back and preview the finals. Defensively, are we out of ways? Are you not? We, are we out of ways to stop these two man games? I mean, it's damn near impossible. You watching this? If you, you right, like if you got Jamal yeah. and Joker in a two, Joker in a two man game, good luck to you. I, I don't know what you. I, I've stopped yelling about. Well, the NBA doesn't play D. Yeah, they do. Good luck stopping yeah. it. Everyone's live. Oh, yeah. Like you mentioned, they're literally zip codes away. So good luck rotating yeah. over it. Go ahead. You talk about where do defenses? Yeah, no, where are they allowed? Where can they go? You're dead on. I think. Um if, if you have ESPN uh, access to ESPN 3 or I think it's called TNT like rail cam but it's like a camera of like it's basically the referee's view and Ooh. he runs up and down the sideline and you can really see that's not as good about spacing wise like in terms of being able to see the whole floor but you just see how hard the defenders are working and gearing up for this 7 foot 300 pound Serbian <laughs> polar bear yes. that's about to come barreling down and do a handoff and just literally take you out um, and just how hard they're working to try to make a difference. Yeah. And then you can play perfect defense, and they just spray these threes right in your face, or they just go right by you and throw a lob on your head, and they dunk on you. Um, and I think you have to take – and then the whistle's geared all towards the offensive player. Right. Uh, with the freedom of movement, um, with, you know, the verticality and all the different rules that take place, um, you just have to have such tough skin – if you're going to be a defender at that level. Like, you have to be able to say, you know what? It's okay. If I did everything right yeah. and he took the shot we wanted him to take and he made it, I did good. Even though they just scored, I yeah. did good. I'm it's like that cornerback mindset, like next play, I exactly. got beat. Exactly. Well, now Lillard, exactly. so, Lillard and Murray are coming off those handoffs now and stopping and shooting, not off it, like in the middle of it. And you're t- yeah. you're in a chase, right? You're locked. You know, locked. Don't yeah. let him go. You got to go over, chase him, which we would all say. Oh, you want me to chase him so I run into him for a four-point play? Because he's going to do that seven times. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, uh, and you can't do that in college because you won't get the whistle. Right. you just look like an idiot because you just <laughs> lost the three with a guy touching you. Yes. And you'll get subbed out. So, no, I, I, I just think that, um, you know, the more you can play and practice one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, especially in space, 
full court games, um, you know, low shot clock games where they got to sprint up the floor and run a certain action and, and force these guys to guard it and then coach them up and encourage them when they do a good job, move their feet, contest, force a jump shot, talk, uh, box out, go rebound, you know, just the simple basic stuff that, that we all know to do. Um, you've got to reward those the same as you would reward a, a player making a phenomenal offensive play that gets everybody out of their seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as coaches, uh, people that are involved in the game every day, we see that and we appreciate that. But most casual fans, all they see is they, they stand up and cheer for LeBron's dunk or Jamal Murray's right. amazing layup. Yeah. They don't do anything for the guy that blew up the handoff. And, right. You know, got a deflection. You know, Fred Van Fleet getting like eight deflections a game. Uh, and he's 5'10 and 180 pounds. So, That's such a good point because um, even deflections in the league, the shot clock's so low. If you deflect it and mess that flow huge, up, right? Huge yep. uh, we'll be right back. We're going to take one more break and bring Coach back, talk Lakers heat. Before we get back to the show, we want to encourage all of our listeners to seek out ways each of you can actively participate in dismantling systems of oppression and to avoid the comfort of silence. We're back. Last segment, Coach. That and I am biased. I can't give it. I not that I have the expertise anyway. But anytime LeBron's involved, I'm going to pick him. It's just that's why I never pick March Madness brackets because I'll take Georgetown all the way and they never get out of the first round. It's just how I work. What do you see? What's important here? You know, and I, I know obviously that the headliners. But what is it? Is that simple? The Lakers two can they be better than the collective Heat? Is it that simple? What are you? What are you focusing in on? I think so. I think, um, you know, LeBron got to the bubble on July 10th. Jesus. That's 81 days ago. I have oh. my made notes for our call. That's 80, or 82 days, excuse me. 82 days ago, he arrived in the bubble. He's playing games um, every other day, pretty much, once they got started. Um, now, they took care of business and went, I think, 4-1, 4-1, 4-1 yeah. in their series. Uh, one in five each time. Uh, so um, for him, he needs time. At this stage of his career, you see what he does coming off of a game where he has multiple days to rest, mm-hmm. um, and he dominates. And he he you know he saves up that last bit. Um, you saw it in the last game versus Denver, where it's just like he just makes four straight jump shots and <laughs> yes. the game's over. It's the awesome. series is over. Yes, and you're like, well, that, that's what he's supposed to not be good at, and uh, he dominates you with it. So the guy's unbelievable. Um, I've been, you know, we've all been spoiled getting a chance to watch him do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad about myself because his first Cleveland round, I wasn't a fan. I have no idea why. Like I wasted seeing that version. I, I'm so mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was so far out of his time as a, as a rookie because he was playing point guard. I mean, yeah. He's been a point guard this whole time. But he's playing point guard. He's getting steals and then stopping and handing them to his teammates so they can get it done because that makes them happy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, just, he's been light years ahead of everybody uh, mentally, basketball IQ-wise, let alone the uh, physical ability that he has. It's just off the charts, too. But I'm looking at the finals, and you know, there's obvious questions about the matchups. L.A., uh, plays a huge lineup. They play um, LeBron at point. He's six foot nine and two hundred and seventy five pounds, probably. You got uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, who's six five, two hundred fifteen pounds as a two guard. You got uh, Danny Green, six seven, two hundred ten pounds as a three. He's six seven, Anthony coach. Davis, he's six seven. He's huge. Jesus. Yep. Yep. He, he, he would play power forward at Carolina. 
he just started shooting jump shots when he got in the league and he kind of found his niche as a 3 and D guy. Yeah. Um, big, big guard, big wing, you know, defend multiple positions. And then you got AD, 6'10", 6'11". You got Dwight Howard, who's probably going to be starting. It looks like he's starting to figure out his role mm-hmm. in this team. You and were talking about rim running and burying. He still does no. that. And I know he's furious because they don't throw it to him, but he punishes yeah. people on that. Yep. <laughs> and he'll get a dunk a game. He'll yeah. get a dunk a game off of that. And that, that's enough to give him, you know, the you know the mojo he needs to go block some shots and get some rebounds and continue to play hard. But I mean, just, just on paper, that lineup is enormous. And um, Miami went into this break uh, when the pandemic struck around – St. Patrick's Day, uh, and the NBA shut down. They were playing Myers Leonard as their five, who's seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. They were playing Bam Adebayo, who's six nine, at their four. Um, Crowder at their three, he's six 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 seven. Jimmy Butler six 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 seven at the two, um, and they were starting Kendrick Nunn. And then they come out of the pandemic and the break uh, for the restart in the seeding games and the playoffs. And now Dragic is healthy, and he is a monster, making shots, mm-hmm. making plays. Um, and then you have Jimmy, uh, yep, yeah, uh, excuse me, Duncan Robinson, six seven at the two, and shoot the lights out. Um, you have Jimmy Butler at the three, six 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 seven, tough as nails, two way player, leader. And then you have Crowder at the four, six 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 seven, three point shooter tough guy, rebounder, scrapper. Uh, and then you got Bam, who is the do-it-all center that handles the ball mm-hmm. for them, that runs their offense, that guards everybody. Um, so the team is just dramatically different in their makeup and their rotation uh, in terms of their substitution. Is Olenek so, playing at all? He didn't play much in this last series, right? Yeah, he gets he, he some minutes, and I have him here. I said, Olenek has to play excellent. I mean, he really does, because he's going to have to come off the bench and face, um, who's the tall guy that played at Nevada? Oh, McGee? Um, McGee. Yep. So he's going to have to either guard McGee, who he's going to be giving up several inches to. He's going to have to guard Dwight Howard, who's giving up several inches to and probably 30 pounds. Um, he's going to have to guard those guys, and then he's going to have to knock down some shots and yeah. kind of draw them away from the basket. Um, which he's capable of doing. It's just, you know, he's going to have to do that now, for sure. Um, but, you know, who, who's the matchups? Um, I guess Crowder's going to guard either Dwight or AD. I mean, yeah. Butler's going to guard, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler's going to guard LeBron, I imagine. Um, Bam, is either, you're either going to put Bam on AD and force him to guard that guy, or are you going to put him on Dwight and let him kind of be a roamer and floater? Um but you saw that's what happened. You know, Dwight yeah. is now getting offensive rebound tip. Yes, if you go small, kind of yeah, like his old self in that, in that regard. So it, it's basically Miami playing a relatively small lineup, and LA plays a, a unusually large lineup. Does so that length stuff? I love that you you gave us the heights because is that I know immediately all of us even as coaches would go to okay rebounding's an issue for Miami. Is there some issues there because Miami's been shooting it? I mean they didn't shoot it great, but that that they've been shooting the shit out of it. Spaced that extra length with the Lakers might be a problem for them just in the shots. I'm not talking about block shots, but just like it's a different hand now. It's not Kimball Walker's yeah. hand because Caruso's six yeah. five, right? Totally. I mean, totally. yep. And, and that's what exactly right. And it's, it's not just blocking shots and rebound. It's being everywhere. Yeah. Um, 
my mentor told me a, told me a great story. He, he was uh, graduated Indiana University in 1980, and playing Bob Knight motion offense, and and then he goes gets drafted by uh, the Lakers. Jerry West and Pat Riley draft him, and you know first day of training camp, it's time to scrimmage, and they're like, okay, Butch, we're going to give you the ball. You're going to play point now, and uh, Michael Cooper is guarding you. He's six seven, and his <laughs> arms reach halfway across the court. <laughs> And uh, Magic or uh, Byron Scott, their two guard. You know he's six four and long. And then Magic Johnson's a three. He's six foot nine. Um, you know, and then you know, Kareem Abdul's and Jabbar's in the back. He's seven foot three. And it's like he's like these guys would put their hands out. And he's like, I don't see anywhere to yeah, throw the yeah, ball. Yeah, who's open? Yeah, like, yeah. I, no one's open. I can't go anywhere. So every shot, every dribble, it's contested, and there's a hand there. Um, and not to compare these two Laker teams, but there's a very good chance that these Lakers win the championship, and you know we'll go down as one of those LA teams that won it all. Right. And uh, I think it's a similar theme. I mean, they're just really tall and really long, and I think you saw that with Denver. Like Denver came back and beat Utah, came back and beat uh, the Clippers, and you know the Clippers got some big wings, but they're not a very big team mm-hmm. outside of Kawhi and yeah. Paul. Um, but then when I start playing L.A., all these little handoffs, all these little, you know, post-up, catch and face-up, they were contested. They were slapped. The ball was poked away. Um, everything, there was a hand in the way. Mm-hmm. And I thought Dwight Howard was excellent. Um, AD's a phenomenal defender. LeBron's a great defender. So, you know, Dan, Danny Green's a great defender on the wing. Contavious Caldwell Pope takes the best wing defender or a wing offensive player every game. Yeah. And works his butt off, starting full court. So they just have a bunch of tall, long, athletic guys that are really committed to playing defense, and it's just—it's hard. Is that is that is it? You give. I I know it's easy to say. Well, yeah, LeBron and AD are you know AD second second vote getter for all defense. Is that a Vogel thing? Has Frank Vogel coached great defense, or is this a buy-in and a result of the roster? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's probably a combination of all those. I mean, I think it's Palinka putting mm, together a team. Great and point. Johnson put this team together, and they said, hey, we want to be able to go really big, and we want to be able to go AD at the five or LeBron at the five. Uh, and LeBron needs, you know, wing defenders around him that can take those matches, that they can guard Jamal Murray for the first three or four games. So he can close it down. Game yeah. five, LeBron can go say, I got it. Um, and that's kind of what Jordan would do uh, from watching that last dance documentary. Um, but yeah, I think that's you know that's you know the front office put together a uh, a really big defensive rebounding minded team, and then you have LeBron to just basically figure out the offense, and he's a savant genius that gets it done. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that that would be uh, how I see at least the matchups going. Um, I know LeBron needs rest. I think that's the biggest thing for him. So when they put out the schedule for the finals, I see game one Wednesday at 9 Eastern, game two Friday, game three Sunday. So that's three games yeah. in five days to start. To me, that's an advantage for Miami because Lester, there's no telling what he's going to come up with in these, these couple days that they've had off. They, you know, he's a little bit like the Nick Nurse style where you might see a box and one, you yes. might see a full court trap. Yeah. You might see them play zone the entire game. Um, 
So I think them having a few days to plot and scheme and, and, scheme, and then three games in five days, that I could see Miami winning that first mini-series, that first mm. three-game series. Yeah. Um, but then after game three, they play four, you know, they're scheduled to play four games in nine days. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. you know, so they play game three Sunday at 7.30, they play game four Tuesday, game five Friday, game six Sunday, game seven if necessary Tuesday. So four games in nine days, that to me, that, that is like a war of attrition. Yeah. And that's LeBron saying, okay, you know, and I think you saw that a little bit in the Denver series where LeBron was not nearly as aggressive in games like I think two. Yeah, two and, and three. Four, he wasn't. Yeah, he just, he was 16, three, yeah. 10, and 11. I'll just do my spots. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And I think he's just kind of saying, AD, you know, let's get this done here. And, yeah. and they, those bench guys and those role players for LA handled it. And that allows him to then, you know, do his thing. But, you know, going back to his Cleveland days, I think when he was in the finals and leading up to the finals, he's averaging like 36, 12, and 9. Like he's doing everything, every game, in order for them to be competitive. So yeah. well, that's a great uh, I, I do think this, this L.A. team can make some more shots. They're better defensively. They're huge, as we talked about. So they're going to contest, defend, and rebound. Um, and then once they get stops and LeBron gets the ball in transition, he's the best player ever. And it's just, you can't do much about it. So I I would be surprised if if Miami didn't, um, or excuse me, if LA didn't win this. But, you know, I think Miami would love for everybody to think that way because (laughs) they're going to come out and do their thing. I think, I I don't remember what podcast it was. They said, Jimmy Butler, you could tell him how awesome he is. He'd find a way that you said it in a tone that pissed him off. So. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like all those Jordan memes from the last dance, where I took that personally here. Yeah, I, I took offense to that. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the perfect fit for him. That's why he's there, and that's you know, there's been a bunch of great articles about the Heat culture and and the way they built this this roster and this this team up. And uh, I mean, I read a few things about how upset Pat Riley was when LeBron left. So, I mean, I, I think they will be very, very motivated yes. and fired up to play. Uh, but it'll be a clash of styles for sure. Miami is is a lot like Golden State was a couple of years ago in terms of the way they move the ball and cut, screen and play, and constant body movement and ball movement. Uh, it, the ball rarely just sticks and holds in one person's hands. It's constantly moving around, and guys are cutting. And, and they have two or three guys, uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Crowder, who will let it fly. From, they'll shoot 10 threes each. Mm-hmm. Um, and all and of them are under the impression they're all going in. Even Crowder, who oh, yeah. is not a career great shooter, confident. but he's not afraid of it. <laughs> yeah, very, very confident. And, uh, and and then they're gritty defenders, and they also rebound their butt off. And uh, they got you know some really, really tough, tough players that are excellent athletes and will be up to the challenge. So I think it's going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to watching and, uh, and pick up some stuff It's going to be a great uh, contrast between what we have to watch tonight and what we get to watch tomorrow. I'll be a lot more happy tomorrow. But before I let yeah. you go, sir, and this has been a great hour with you, where can folks follow you again? I know, I know I'm jumping in on one of your webinars you're given uh, this week or next. Uh, where, where else? You mentioned you're headed back to your prep school in Georgia area. Where else can they follow you? Yeah, uh, we'll um, hopefully get in the gym here the next couple of weeks with some, some pre-draft workouts if we can do it safely. 
um, and get a chance to be around some, some high-end players. But otherwise, I'll be headed back to school. Uh, the school in Georgia plays in a 3A private school league in North Carolina. Ironically, they're right on the border of Georgia and North Carolina. So we play in a private school league in North Carolina and play against some great teams and some great programs. So we'll get a chance to, to see some uh, some high-level high school hoops and, and get a chance to take a part in that, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't do much. I try to occasionally put some stuff out there, but um, I'll just look forward to uh, hopefully getting another invite back to the Cross the Stream. Well, you're a contributor now. You're not even a guest anymore. <laughs> now, that, once you get past the third episode, you're a frequent <laughs> contributor. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.